1: And now, live from the bunker, it is home in the deep in the Ozarks, in Missouri. <laughs> Two people try to say stuff. Unshu the dough. I don't know. <laughs> I do what I can sometimes. I thought that
2: was pretty good. Oh, thank
1: you. No, I, I always
2: enjoy it. that voice.
1: Well, it's fun. It's either that or Tassie. You know, sometimes Tassie can't be here. And That's so- right. I just, I go, we invite the announcer guy Take in. Take one does. for the team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are super excited about today's show. Yeah. Um, you may have gotten some of our social media posts uh, about kind of what we're doing today. It's the return of a format that we've been itching to get back to, uh, a segment we call No Longer Safe. And it's basically an opportunity to talk to somebody or about a topic that is kind of difficult to talk about and isn't necessarily safe. And so right off the bat, I guess I'd say, you know, not safe for the little ears. If you've got, you know, kids around or wherever you're listening to this, um, I should say it's more just for the the topic, right? Like the content matter. Yeah, we're we're going to not... be talking about human trafficking.
2: Yes. And just so you kind of know, the interview we're about to kind of go into here in just a moment, it's not like we go into super graphic details. Like Aaron said, it's just a topic is a deeper topic for sure. So welcome to Shoe the Dough. Welcome to what we do. We do this twice a week where we have a live show, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesdays and Fridays at noon. So like Aaron was saying, today we're doing a no longer safe topic. We're going to be um, starting an interview here in just a moment, which we're really excited about. And then Friday we're going to be doing an episode of sif Pop, which is our pop culture. We're going to be reviewing Ant-Man and uh things like that. So- Why is
1: that such a hard movie title to say? Ant-Man. Ant-Man.
2: Did Ant- I say Ant-Man? No,
1: I do. Ant- oh. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. It's a weird like like I want to say for somebody
2: who's been in radio <laughs> and doing voice work for so long, I'm not sure why it's so difficult for you to say antiman.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I just I I want to say like um, Intamins, but then I start craving like you know cinnamon rolls, those kind of things, or I want to say
2: Int- what what is that a
1: bakery Intamins? I don't know. Oh okay. This is. <laughs> For somebody who eats a lot of breakfast food, you certainly don't know about... (laughs) Obscure
2: knowledge from Aaron Dicer. (laughs)
1: Uh, Anyway, yeah, on Friday we're excited to talk Ant-Man and some other things on our SifBot, but today we're doing No Longer Safe. Yeah, and
2: we're going to be playing uh, an interview. We actually were able to um, connect over Skype uh, yesterday. And so um, what you're going to be hearing is a pre-recorded piece, and we are talking with somebody in Cambodia, so the mm-hmm. connection sometimes, I mean, it really was great connection. There was only a couple moments when it was like, Click, you know. Yeah, and we Skyped glitches. him,
1: and we'd love to, we just want to play the whole conversation for you, kind of let you hear his heart and what he's doing. Uh, his name is Brendan, and uh, we'll get a little more into who he is and kind of, You know what he does.
2: We are going to be in the chat. In fact, Every oh, single sure. question that you have. If you have a question, you can go ahead and post it in the chat. I
1: actually see Brendan in the chat right now. I don't know if he can Unless chat our along. eyes are
2: deceiving us. Yes. He is actually with us again today. So if you're actually with us live, thank you for taking some time. We know it's really late right now in Cambodia. 12
1: hours difference. So there it would be just past midnight.
2: So um, you can ask questions and interact there in the chat. And then, of course, we're going to be forwarding questions on to him directly. And he, there he is.
1: He says i'm in the chat wow so so fun so there you go so as you listen to this interview brendan's here we're here we're all able to chat uh, live with you. Again, that's if you're listening live on Mixler. If you're that's listening right. live from our website, which is possible because it just kind of streams from there at aaronandanay.com, and you want to chat and ask questions, you
2: can email us if you, you'd like to. You can
1: email us, you can tweet us, or you can find your way to Mixler, which is just mixler, mixler.com shoe dash the dash doe dash
2: live. And as we get ready to jump into this incredible interview, um, one more thing if you are listening on the podcast later and you missed the live show, you can still submit your questions. That's right. Uh, we were able to talk with Brendan for a little while yesterday, and he was very excited to be able to interact with everybody. So just because you're not able to tune in live does not mean you still can't interact. So, All
1: right. You ready to shoo a dough?
2: I'm ready. ready to start playing some of this yeah. wonderful, wonderful stuff?
1: So here it is, our interview with Brendan. Cambodia doesn't typically have
3: the best connection or stability of connection so we'll see how it
2: goes well you do have a great excuse I mean you are in Cambodia
3: (laughs) yeah I don't know the last I've actually seen you Aaron how long has it been I mean has it been Marenzi or has it been
1: yeah that was probably it because when we left uh, Marenzi that was 2000 Um, so Mm -hmm. you were just a kid then I'm sure
3: I
2: would have been 10 at that time wow <laughs> I know you were saying like that of a two thousand, and I'm like, Oh that was not that long ago, and then I'm like, that was 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh man.
2: Oh man, indeed. What
1: do you remember about uh, about back then, back when uh, you were? Yeah, back when we were doing the youth at, pastor thing there. Yeah.
3: Well, the biggest thing I remember, like two specific things. I remember at one point you had cornrows. Uh huh. They were pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a second thing was I, uh, at one point in time, my parents they went away on a trip or something, and you and your brother Drew came over and babysitted me and Zach and Shay, and we played, uh, we played some video game on the computer, left religiously, um, like the Neighborhood or something yep, like that. that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that?
1: I absolutely <laughs> remember that. That was in the what I dubbed, what I called the picture room because there was that one wall that was like all pictures and frames.
3: <laughs> and you had a son at the time. How old your son now? 16. 16. Do you have more than one kid or just one?
1: I've got four boys now.
3: Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow is right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I read some of your Facebook posts from time to time about some of the things your sons say and the stuff that's worth, uh, worth journaling
1: yeah no they're, they're... it really
2: is worth the journaling yeah you can make one of those like bathroom read books you know <laughs>
0: that's right
2: like a little like they're not yeah. quite joke books they're not quite novel mm. but they're really a great flip through like maybe like a 365 yeah. calendar like dicer boy isms
1: mm-hmm is <laughs> life with the dicer boys well, man, thank you so much for, for talking to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to
3: do it. And if you feel like it starts to cut out or anything, let me know and I can try to tweak some stuff over here.
2: So our first question is, um, can we use your name when we're introducing you? Because we kind of were thinking about how we were going to introduce um, – this conversation so that was
1: one of our first questions and i know you've kind of changed your name on facebook a little bit sometimes and you you know you kind of you what you're doing isn't exactly always safe so i i wanted to make sure that we looked out for you safety wise it's
3: okay if you use my first name just say brendan it's something that my coworkers, one of my employers just wants to me avoid using my full real name on social media but if you just want to use just my first name i'm sure that's just fine
1: cool we will do that then brendan Aaron.
2: <laughs> if that is your real name. If that name. is your
1: real name.
3: <laughs> I yeah. promise, that's a real name.
1: <laughs> so this is Brendan. Brendan's my friend who uh, was just a kid when I was a youth pastor uh, at a church in Michigan and is now finding himself in Cambodia. And Brendan, I would like you to talk a little bit about, let's just talk about where you you know are right now, both as far as you know,
2: on the map, physically, yeah, physically
1: <laughs> on the map. And then also just kind of in, you know, what you're doing.
3: It's funny you say on the map physically, because I, I've, uh, when I've spoken with a couple people this past week, they said, you know, I'm asked, told them I'm in Cambodia and they thought that was in Africa. So if anyone thinks that's in Africa, that's okay. I come a common mistake. Cambodia is actually in Southeast Asia. So if you're going to look at just like a rollout map, um, Go over to Russia, scroll down on the map to uh, keep scrolling down to Thailand, and then below Thailand is Cambodia, which is directly north of Australia, which is where I'm located. Cambodia has a population of about 14 or 15 million people. Um, I'm currently living in the city of Phnom Penh, which is the capital city of Cambodia. Um, it's a city of about 5 million people. And most of Cambodia is rural and agricultural, but I'm living in uh, basically the only major urbanized setting of Cambodia, which is the city of Phnom Penh.
2: What does an urban setting look like in Phnom Penh?
3: Well, Phnom, well, Cambodia itself is a third world country. And I grew up in a first world country, but think of like, um, how do I put it? think of like a major uh city such as i think of detroit because i grew up in michigan um think of a very run down kind of a project styled sect of detroit um just kind of very poor and now just make that entire take that make that poor uh sect of detroit that urbanized sect and then say that's all of Penh. so um it's just a lot, of, just a lot of people congested into a very small area and a lot of businesses that are all the same, a lot of uh, people selling stuff on the streets. Um, just, just very overpopulated. It just, everything just seems very, very run down um, as compared to like a, a, a first world like
1: urbanized city. So what brings you there? Why, how do you find yourself in Cambodia?
3: I went to uh, Indiana Wesleyan University and I studied uh, cross-cultural ministry and international development. So I've always kind of had a heart for uh, cross-cultural ministry and missions type of work. Um, and I was out of school, for, out of university for about a year. I was living in Hawaii for about a year and I just kind of wanted to make a change and shift in a different direction. And I went online and just started typing like cross-cultural ministry Uh, ministries in Asia because I had multiple Asian friends growing up and I came across um, an organization that was basically um, needed help and I just applied and it was an organization called Destiny Rescue and Destiny Rescue what they do is just they reach out to underage girls that are being sold for sex and they plug them into an aftercare program and about the families and educate them and try to get them out of the exploitative uh, position they're currently in. And when I was back in, uh, at college, uh, we had a class called Contemporary Global Issues and we studied uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking a lot and that stuck with me all the way through uh, college and after college and that's kind of what pulled me back to applying to work for Destiny Rescue in Cambodia.
2: Are you still working for Destiny Rescue?
3: Nope, I stopped working about. You do a, a lot of these uh, mission organizations. You typically do a year by year, right? Um, and I uh, I finished up my year, and they offered me a, a position back. And I still felt called to the Cambodian people, and I still felt um, burdened for these girls entrapped in this exploitative web. Um, so I went back home to spend some time with family because it was really far away. Like, I, I don't know I don't know how many miles it is away. like Nine or 10 or 11, 12, I don't know. But it's about a 30, 32 hour uh, travel day to get back home. So I went home and spent some time with family and saw my niece that I hadn't seen yet, which is pretty sweet, and uh, raised a little bit of money and uh, came back to Cambodia. On your own? On my own.
2: Whoa. Yeah. That's for real. <laughs> That's for real stuff.
3: It was easier the second time because the first time I didn't know anybody, but the second time I had some quite a few relationships established, and the local people are fantastic. They're very, very hospitable. So the second time was quite a bit easier than the first time.
1: Is, as somebody like, you know, we're in our own bubble over here you know, in America. And certainly I hear phrases like sex trafficking and I, you know, I know what goes on and it disgusts me and, and all that kind of stuff. But there's a difference between hearing about it, you know, second person and, and experiencing it like you are, you know, how do you draw us into that?
3: I think it's difficult. Um, When I was studying it back at uh, college, I had like a conceptual understanding, a conceptual sympathy, for the little boys and little girls that are entrapped in this web. But it really wasn't until I got here and actually started getting to know, like, have built interpersonal relationships with girls that are trafficked or with girls that are currently being trafficked on the streets or inside red light districts or massage parlors and sex establishments. It's really difficult to make a connection unless you actually have a face-to-face, like interpersonal conversation with them. Right. Um, for example, like I have, a, I have a friend that's working in Kenya and he works with AIDS victims. And I, 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 I have compassion for him in that, in that, in that field and that demographic of people. But because I'm not there, it's hard to have as much compassion as, say, my friend does, who actually knows individual AIDS victims. You know, does that make sense?
2: Yeah,
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: So
2: part of what you do though is you open up your world to people who aren't in that same environment like ourselves and those who are listening and can kind of help to paint that picture. So like where do you start the like do you feel like people need to be educated about first like what sex trafficking is or whatever or do you just start telling people stories?
3: I think just because of like social media, it's it's pretty easy to like study up and become aware. of yeah. Like, what's what's actually happening in the world today? Even like in, whether it's in your own neighborhood or the next neighborhood over or halfway around the globe, like in Cambodia. Um, but I mean, what I feel is most effective, and maybe it's kind of objective because, or subjective because, what hits me most is when some, like when my friends they tell me other stories about stuff they're going through or, or, or some ministry they're involved in or some like, tragic situation that they've found themselves in the middle of, um, when people tell me like, personal stories, that affects me the most. So when I try to get other people um, involved in understanding and educating and compassionate, I try to just tell a real life story that I've experienced and hopefully it, it hits home or clicks with certain people.
2: Well, I can tell you like I have I have questions. Like you said you went back to Cambodia for uh, by yourself. And so and you're no longer like working kind of like with a ministry. So like one of my first questions is what do you do? Like how do you besides becoming friends with people or kind of getting into your environment around you? I don't know, like what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, what's your day look like, man?
3: That's, no, that's a good question. Basically, I just sit around and play Xbox all day in my hotel room. Awesome. Eat, bon, eat bonbons. <laughs> yeah,
2: in Cambodia.
3: <laughs> no, I mean what I'm what I'm doing right now is I've uh, I've started my own small, small, small micro NGO. We have about six staff members, and uh, what the goal is is to uh, um, form an outreach. Team where we just um, we go in and we identify, go into basically red light areas, um, public parks, massage parlors, and we I, try to identify um, girls that are um, under the age of 18 that are being offered for sexual services, whether it's uh, you know, a myriad of sexual services, whatever that might be. And uh, we just try to make a connection with them, make, a, make contact with them, get phone numbers, get as much information as we can, and try to discreetly um, get them out of whatever place they're working in. Um, and then also what I'm doing is I just started working at a um, an organization called Hard Places Community. And what they do is they, um, they reach out to um, young boys that have been um, sexually exploited. The neighborhood that we work in, the neighborhood I live in, um, it's basically like, um, sex tourist heaven like it's there 's a lot a lot of foreigners from all over the world from so many countries that will come to this neighborhood and can basically um, pay for cheap sex from a local from a local kid and so what i 'm working towards is uh, just getting the ball rolling for this local NGO that I have registered for where you can reach out to young girls that are being sold to us or other people for sex. We're going to plug them into aftercare NGOs where they can get an education, get some job training. And the other half of my time, I'm working with some young boys that are facing similar trauma.
1: What is an NGO? NGO stands
3: for non-governmental organization. So ah, it's, okay. it's almost like a nonprofit. I'm not really sure on like the semantics of it, but when I say NGO, think of like nonprofit organization.
1: Sure, sure. So, so you use the phrase sex tourism and it just yeah. it like shook me. I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's a thing." Like yeah. like that is yeah. actually what you deal with there and that is sex tourism.
2: So, pretty much people land and tour around the neighborhood you live in and pick whoever they want to have sex with, whether it be a young boy, a young girl, and because of the culture, they are doing these things either because the children have been sold into slavery. Or that's like their only choice that they have. And you're in there going, okay, how do I make a relationship with these people, whoever they are, and try to help them realize that there's other options out there and then plug them into those options and get them out? Is that right?
3: That's right. That's that's the gist of it. I mean, it's it's so complex because everybody's different and like there's such major cultural differences, even in communication and even in religion, for example. So you know, I come from a Christian background, and I'm a Christian guy. Um, but the, the, like the Cambodia, for example, is like 98.5% Buddhism. So like, even trying to communicate cross-culturally with someone from a vastly different religion, that's interesting as well. But yeah, basically, what you said is right, is you get a lot of foreign men coming to m- this neighborhood that I'm living in and working in. Um, from around the world, You know, they have they have a lot more resources than the local people. And I mean, for example, say you got a family, a local Khmer, Khmer is basically Cambodian. So you have a local Cambodian family um, who has like no money, no education because they can never go to school because they were too poor to afford for education, afford public education. And um, so they're trying to basically find ways to buy rice to feed their family. So you got a couple parents with a couple a couple kids. So you got a nine year old boy and a 15 year old girl and then you have Foreigners that come over and and know that these families are in vulnerable situations. These guys come over here and kind of groom these families, try to build like false relationships with them, and then um, end up offering a dollar amount. Say he says, "I'll I'll pay you four hundred dollars to have sex with your daughter," and to a local Cambodian person, four hundred dollars is massive. That's like a couple years' salary. Wow. Um, yeah, and so basically, what I do with some of the local Khmer, Cambodian staff here is we just try to identify these guys that are doing this, um, report to the police, um, get information, and reach out to the victims and try to get them into a safe environment.
1: Tell me about the police situation. Do that? I mean, it seems like if they really, you know, cared to stop this, they'd be doing something about it. Or is it just is it that they don't care, or they just? it's just too big and they can't do anything? Or what's your read on like the law enforcement? Cause it's, cause it's against the law, right? I mean, it's not like it's legal there.
3: Oh, right. I mean, pretty much nowhere in the universe is the trafficking of children, legal sleeping with children, buying children for sex is legal. I mean, that's like a global standard. And the majority of people will say it's not okay. However, the tra- sex trafficking of children is the second biggest criminal industry in the world. Next to um, the drug trade, but it's still illegal across basically every country. Some countries have legalized prostitution, like Amsterdam. Um, But yeah, it's on the books here. It's illegal. But as much as I love Cambodia, it's such a culture of complicity and almost apathy and gender inequality. Where they go, eh? It's just little girls. Um, There's a phrase. There's a common phrase here in Cambodia that says. Boys are like gold, and girls are like cloth. What that means, what they mean by that is, if like a piece of gold gets dropped in some dirt, and you can just brush it off and clean it off, and it's still as clean as it originally was, it's still shiny and 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 worth money and has value, intrinsic value. But you drop a cloth in some like some mud and some dirt, it's going to have a little bit of a stain. So there's some major inequality here, and I think that actually plays plays a huge role in the way law enforcement deal with crimes against women.
0: Mm.
2: Um, And it's
3: very sad. It's sad. It's terrible.
2: Well, yeah, especially, you know, from a perspective of somebody who's from, you know, the U.S. Yeah. Where there's so much conversation about equality. And and then, then you add on, you know, our belief system. Of, you know, man and woman being equal. But then you add on not only that, but you add on our worth and our value and what God says about humans and what he says about what his creation, you know, that we are uh, worth more than gold, you know, like, and that's just such a diverse, that's such a different thing than what this culture that you're steeped in. So here, you know, you have a message of hope because you're a Christian yourself, but then you're also up against like a culture a country who hasn't either had that revelation yet or may never have that revelation about a woman being valuable too. But then you add on top mm-hmm. of that, that people are coming in to exploit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a machine. It's like, you know, it's, it's a system now that's in place. You, you're mentioning something uh, just a moment ago about reporting people to the police are you, like, in danger? Like, I'm, I'm assuming you kind of stand out in your environment. Like, there's there's one you and many others. So, I don't know. Like, do you yeah. have to be really careful about that?
3: Yeah. I mean, we do. And I, I honestly, personally for myself, we try not to think too much about our own, our own personal safety. I mean, my mom would probably say differently. <laughs> <laughs> frankly, your safety, I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of girls that are more unsafe than you right now.
1: <laughs> wow. But
3: I really, I just, I honestly I try not to focus too much on, like, my own personal safety. We, we do have precautions, like, for example, we're careful on social media not to give away too much personal information, um, use our real names when they're in certain areas, so, like, I took on, like, I took on Aaron. I took on my dad's name as a fake code name here. And when I told <laughs> my dad, when I told my dad that he's like, great. Now when I visit, people are just calling out my name. <laughs> so I mean, we take little precautions here and there. I mean, there there's definitely been situations that have uh, been confrontational, or we've had to avoid certain areas where, basically, we've been recognized and. And made and go, Oh, we know why these guys are here. They're here to right. to get these girls. Out. I mean, for example, like if I was a guy that owned three brothels in, uh, or three bars in Phnom Penh, and I have 15 girls in each bar and they're all for sale for, uh, for sex for $10 a night for each girl. And then I have some, some guy coming in there pretending to be a customer, but he's actually helping my employees leave. What I what what he's doing is he's actually taking revenue and undercutting income for me. And I think anytime you undercut someone else's uh, revenue and profit income, I think that that could
0: be hairy.
1: Oh yeah, right? for sure. You're kind of like you're kind of like a redemptive headhunter. You know, like you know <laughs> they have those job headhunters that go you know poach clients you know from big yeah. companies. You're like a redemptive version of that. You know, where you're you're taking their their employees to you know to something better and to something that's redemptive
3: yeah except employers they're they're not too stoked about it <laughs> I mean, there's been <laughs> there's been times where like we've been called out and they're like hey what are you doing here and we've just had to kind of backpedal and try to just leave right and not back to that same place and then later on if we know that there's underage girls there we'll send some other people in to follow up on our behalf
2: that's smart So I have a, I have another question, um, for you do, and this, this kind of is going off of the heels of me believing, um, what I have read, which is that, you know, when you're a victim of your life and your circumstances, oftentimes you don't really realize, first of all, that there's a better life out there. Um, Mm. or, and, and even you have a hard time, you know, believing that a, a better world is there for you. Like you're. So I I'm, I'm a girl. I'm this is my life. This is just something I've I have been resigned to. Um I don't see a way out. Like are these girls when you talk to them are they quick to believe you that there's options for them or do you have to work for quite a while? It's one question. And I'm kind of assuming it's based on the individual. Um but I'm kind of wondering how how do they respond to you when you begin to talk to them about getting out?
3: That's a that's a really good question. See, every girl is unique, just based off you know their upbringing. But the the, the response that the to the responses that we get out of the majority of girls are actually very would be very surprising to people who aren't actually here. For example, it's I thought when I first came over here, I thought that like okay, you just got a bunch of girls in here that are just waiting to get out of these sexually exploitative positions. And, and there are, and these girls, they want an, a different option. But a lot of these girls, they know they have a hard life and they're in a tough position and they don't like having to basically sleep with multiple men every night, older men that are three four times their age. But a lot of them have become so accustomed to that type of abuse that they don't even recognize it as abuse anymore. Oh, like, it's like almost we have to convince them, hey, it's not okay that you're being treated this way. Like, despite what culture says, despite like the multiple times you've had to have been in these situations and the multiple men you've had to sleep with, like, I know this is, has been like a habitual, repetitive, day to day grind for you, but don't be jaded because that's not okay. You're being treated this way. So I know you want a different, I, I know you want a different, employment opportunity i know you want a different lifestyle and life options but a lot of them want it just because they don't like the situation they're in but they don't actually know that they're actually being exploited because they think oh that's just the way that all the girls are treated around the world
1: that's right so they almost see as it, it like you know the person that's in a minimum wage job at let's say a fast food you know place would be like yeah i want a better job right they like, don't see yeah. it as is you know somebody's doing something wrong to them necessarily right, and right. I'm, they I'm, don't.
3: Thinking, recognize the injustice behind
2: it yeah and that's where you know you're talking about the aftercare programs i'm sure that's where they can kind of come in in such a huge way to help them as they realize 10 15 years down the line just how much they were affected by mm. this culture that they were either born into or sold into or, or whatever the situation would be because yeah. you're right you know from their perspective it's it's about a job um yeah. Or but, or just or well, even just doing what you're told. One without or, you a know, choice. Yeah, yeah, sometimes a choiceless job. But
1: you know, you're mm-hmm. in a, you're in a situation. I would imagine where you know authority seems to mm. be pointing you in a direction, and yeah. you just you go with it. I mean, kids are they are very malleable. They yeah. they go with the worldview that that is placed on them for a long time, and it, it does take you know kind of some some wake up sometimes. I think to. To be able, and you know, it's also a reminder. I think for us, even like, what is it in our own lives that we just kind of, you know, is accept except because it's something we were taught or a worldview instead of really digging into, you know, where where justice is, what is, you know, truth yeah. and all those kind of things. I think that's valuable.
3: Yeah, completely. I completely agree. And I like what you said about authority. Is that this the culture over here is very much? I say respect your parents, and it is the same way in the United States. But over here, it's to a whole different level. It's like no matter what your parents or an authoritative figure, an elderly figure tells you to do, if they're older than you, you have to do it. It's like a shame-based culture. Asia has a lot of shame-based... Asia is a shame-based culture. So, like, if you have your parents say, hey, I need you to go sleep with this 50-year-old neighbor guy who says it to their kid because, you know, we need to have some money for the rest of our family. To say no to your parents is, like... Judas betraying Jesus—it's like so blasphemous, and it's like the worst thing you could do. So, like, it's they're going, "Oh, okay, I'll go do that." And and when you when you're um being taught that growing up, uh, the kids quit this, uh, the, the 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 kids, especially the females, they stop thinking for themselves, and because they go, "Well, just whatever my elder tells me to do." This is just the culture, and this is the way it is. So, my value has already been established, and you know, my dignity is just kind of contingent upon how other people view me and how my elders view me and what they want me to do.
1: Brendan, let's talk about you for a second. Um, Do you get any flack or feedback from people who feel like you go too far in going into these establishments and being a part of this world? I know sometimes as, you know, faith culture has this way of kind of don't get your hands too dirty because then you yourself are, you know, You know, don't sacrifice your own morality just to save somebody else, that kind of thing. Do you ever deal with any of that? Yeah.
3: Yeah, actually quite a bit. Um, For example, I guess there's the two, let me try to think, would be two big issues? Yeah, the two biggest issues that I get flack for is, um, number one is that we're going into places that are specifically catered to sexually arouse foreigners, you know, that's what it's for, and you're going to places where, you know, girls are just being offered for sex, where girls are, um, you know, semi-naked, um, uh, you're going to places where you got dancers that are just dancing inappropriately, where you have lighting, it's just basically a sensory overload. All your senses are being just bombarded at the same time, and the purpose of these establishments are to get you to pay money for sex. And a lot, and the reason we go in there is because there's a lot of kids in there being sold for sex, and um, we feel like the best way to connect with them is to go into these places where they're actually spending the majority of the time. And so I get a lot of flack. I, I, well, yeah, I'll say a lot of flack. There's, I get a, quite a bit of flack um, for going into these places and that and I think, um, to be fair, the people that give me um, that kind of push back against it. I believe that most of them are genuinely concerned, um, concerned for my own
2: morality. <laughs> yeah, my, my,
3: yeah, my morality, my thought process, my my purity, my my mind, my soul. I guess you could say. Um, and the second one would be a lot. A lot of these places, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of drugs available and um, a lot of alcohol available. And um, when we go to these places. If we're going to main cover, maintain cover, we drink alcohol when we're there. And, you know, there's a pretty big population of the uh, sect of the church that disagrees with alcohol consumption. And, you know, for good reason. But those are the two big rates I get flack. So, yeah, and I do get quite a bit of flack for those two specific things.
2: And oh, that, that makes me so angry.
1: <laughs> well, and that's kind of that's one of the things we're very passionate about, you know, on especially these No Longer Safe episodes is finding a way to overcome those those walls so to speak to tear those down how do See, you I
2: I think that God makes people very specifically to be able to endure and handle things like I think about people who become a surgeon thank you yeah. Lord that I am not that person because I don't know I would panic if I was cutting somebody open <laughs> and trying to like repair their insides I mean it would be horrible I would be terrible at it but I'm not made to be a surgeon I'm not made to be able to endure the kind of you know, intricacies and blood and gore that happens with being a surgeon. I'm not made to be an ER person who has to piece people back together. You know, that's not who I am. But here you are, and God has designed you very specifically to be able to go to these places. And sure, of course, just like every other Christian or person on the planet, you're going to have temptations and you're going to come right up against things that are like right on your borderline. But he has called you to be the kind of person that knows those boundaries for you individually and that going into those places doesn't mean that you are going to succumb to temptation. You could just as easily succumb to temptation sitting on your couch. (laughs) then you do you know what i'm saying like there are so many opportunities for someone to come to pornographic temptation in their own environment with nobody watching you know but i understand like for me my concern is your physical safety you know like my number one question is are you martial arts trained you know that to me (laughs) seems like a good question i'm sorry Um, i'm just i get really frustrated about that stuff i'm 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 upset right now I'm gonna calm down. <laughs> I'm gonna have a sip of tea.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's actually that's one thing that I one of the things that frustrates me the most um, over here when I have people that seem to be and I, I try to be careful. Um, I try to be careful what I say, but I, I I I get a little frustrated when people get more concerned and more frustrated with the fact that say um, our team. Which we go in a group. We never go individually. So we go in a group. When we go into these places, that some people get more frustrated the fact that we're drinking alcohol inside these places than the fact that we're being offered thirteen year olds for sex.
2: Yeah, that is very infuriating.
3: That frustrates me, and because like when I'm because I, I know these girls by name, and and I know it's a lot of their families, and I just think, oh man, like I have a younger sister who's not a kid anymore; she's an adult. But like, if she was inside a place, like there was I. I, how far would I be willing to go to get her out to yep. help her the best I possibly can? And I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I would do absolutely anything, but I think I would do just about anything to go and get her out of the situation she's in. And I feel the same way about all these girls over here. I consider them all my little sisters and I'm just trying to be a big brother to them the best I can. So when, when I get some pushback for things like alcohol or going, walking down a red light district street, it kind of bothers me because I think, well, but you don't actually know these girls, you know? Yeah. You're not, you don't know their names or their faces or their stories. And if you did, I think you might change your mind.
2: I feel like in, as far as I've experienced personally, maybe you, you'll find this similar because you do get feedback and, and uh, I also get feedback in my life um, from Christian culture in general and sometimes just individuals giving me their perspective. On how I live my life or the ways that I've lived my life in the past or whatever the situation was. But drawing sure. from my own experience, I have come to this revelation that I have to make a choice when somebody scrutinizes how I go about my life and my personal convictions with God I think they're doing it out of love. Like they want you to have the best. They want you to be safe. And and so somebody might think that alcohol is like the greatest sin. And so when you drink it, that you're compromising your soul and they're trying Mm -hmm. to help you out. And so I try, even though it's really frustrating, I try to look at them in that light of they're being they're scrutinizing or they're being judgmental because they're trying to say that they care about me. Mm. It, yeah. It's coming across yeah. a little weird, but that's okay.
1: Well, because because you don't realize when you do it. And I think we've all been there, right? I mean, sure. none of us is without doing that to somebody else. But I think right. what happens is you don't realize that when you do that, you are actually being selfish. You're actually trying to conform the rest of the world to make it comfortable for you right you know and so but you don't see that all you see is that you think you're loving this other person and trying to keep them from but you you have to remember they're not you
2: see and and couldn't we also say that that might be the way that the this culture views their children like we're talking about the parents telling their children to go have sex with another man who's twice three times their age they might see it as an extension of love you know, yeah. and this yeah. is this is why it's so important for us to remember that whenever we go out into any environment, you know, have mm-hmm. the heart of Christ and the real enemy is the unseen. And yep. what you're doing is you're trying to just open up an opportunity. You're you're light in a very dark place and mm. you get to be light in a number of ways. You know, maybe one day it's just that you're kind to a woman who's in one of these brothels or these bars or these parks wherever you're finding them and one day maybe it's that you're actually doing more of a rescue but long Mm. term you're showing the people of Cambodia that there is a way of living that is better even though they might not see it right now they might see it as you're you know you're being the judgmental person you're being the one that's saying you know there's something wrong with what you're doing they're like no it no there's not there's nothing wrong with it so you mm-hmm. know, it's all something that I think will get worked out in the end somehow. But you just have to stick with your convictions about what you're doing. So I think it's incredible. This is like kind of mind blowing. Mm.
1: One thing we like to do on these as well, and is to, you know, for instance, we've had you know somebody who's an atheist on, and you know somebody who's a homosexual or you know different kinds sure. of people that get labeled by Christian culture, and sure. we ask them, you know, if you had a open conversation. With a Christian or let's say Christian culture in general, what would you want to express to them? And I feel like, Brendan, in a way today, you are being the voice for a lot of people who don't have a voice uh, in Mm. Cambodia. What do you think they would say to something like that?
3: Um, you, you mean, um, people individually over here that fall on that line or would you you mean uh, talking about people that are, don't have the exact same, like, um, ethical belief system as me?
2: I'm thinking more from the perspective of these girls, you know, like the voiceless girls. That's kind of what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah.
3: Well, one thing that's interesting about this line of work is that despite your faith background, I think the majority of the world's population would agree that it's not okay. I've had a lot of people over here that I've did some part-time work with that um, are Buddhists or atheists or just agnostics. We've had a couple of Muslims that I've worked with as well. People come over here that are from the LGBT community. And that's one thing that's interesting is I think that one thing that devi- or, uh, that as Christians, particularly as a Christian myself, that. To unify and connect with other people, it's to find the common ground and find the commonality instead of so much find out what's different between us. And I've noticed that being able to work with a lot of different people from diverse backgrounds and religious belief systems is that we can be unified on the common ground that we want to help young boys and young girls stop being sexually exploited, kind of like the baseline in which we can all agree on.
0: That's
2: great. My friend who's an atheist, she it was nice for her to to have that platform. She she said when we kind of opened it up and asked her the question, she's like, There's not there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. I don't have to be fixed. Like you don't have to talk to me like my arm just fell off when you find out <laughs> when you find out that I'm an atheist. Because people would start to talk to her differently. So we've kind of found that sometimes Accidentally, as a Christian culture, there's a message that's being sent out to a group of people or an individual that just really misrepresents Christ's heart. So, thanks for doing that.
3: A lot of times, I feel like I'm riding uphill, but I try my b- <laughs> I try my best.
2: <laughs> you are though, you're dude, you're in it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know that I've ever talked to somebody who's in it like you're in it. You know, um, oh. it's been really interesting to. I don't know. I'm a very visual person. So as you're sure. talking about where you're at, and you probably notice I'm like, okay, what does it look like? Like describe your environment. What's a day look like for you? Because now I've got this sort of in my head, you know, there's this picture forming of your, your life. Some mornings I wake up and I'm like, I wonder what Angelina Jolie's life is like today, you know, or I'll like try to put myself into someone else's shoes. that has a totally different world than I do. And I've just, mm-hmm. you know, now added, perspective that I think I'd rather check in with you more Mm. than you know some other person who's doing just fine Angelina she's doing just fine (laughs) you know but (laughs) I can check in kind of on your world and be like I wonder what's going on with Brendan today I wonder I wonder what's happening with the people that he's talking to today and um so I really appreciate that you would kind of open up and spend some time with us and and talk about these topics that are they're not easy to, to kind of go through. It's not an easy thing to be exposed to young children be exploited in this way. And
0: yeah.
2: I, I don't know if you feel it. Like, I feel a little bit like, okay, how do you stop this from happening? You know, this is such a huge issue. You know, does it mm-hmm. stop? It stops when people stop going to Cambodia. You know, it stops when people stop thinking, oh, I'll go over here. But then do they go someplace else? You know, when does... When do humans stop exploiting other humans? Yeah, you know, it's you know?
1: interesting that you say that because, you know, what you're doing and it's so valuable is you are helping to rescue people from the consequences of other people's yeah. messed up worldview. And do you do anything with the men themselves? You know, have you thought anything about any kind of ministry that could happen there? Um,
2: like sex rehabilitation. Like my,
1: my initial my initial reaction is to like hate those people, but I don't think I don't think that's the reaction mean, that God would want me to have. You mean the
2: men who are yeah, having the men sex who are, with these children? Yes.
1: My initial reaction is, you know, to yeah. wanna give give them a little kick in the face. Him. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I don't know that that's Christ's reaction. Probably not. So uh, what do you what do you think?
3: I think that's a huge and important question. <clears throat> it's taken me a long time to even come to, and I'm just being completely honest. Like, you know, if I, as a Christian, they're like, I hate these guys. Like, people go, oh, well, you're not a Christian. But like, it's because, it's taken me over a year for me not to actually hate these guys, like to physically hate these guys and wish bad upon them. Um, um, no pretending here. Like, it's, I've kind of, I've recently come to the point where I go, okay, I don't hate you. I wish the best for you. I want you to, um, to come to know Christ. I want you to have life to the fullest and to you to basically turn from the decisions you are making. And as hard it is for me to say this, like nobody, no guy is born and says, hey, I want to grow up to fly halfway around the world and sexually exploit impoverished children. Like, no, people don't grow up that way. But like there's there's been a path, there's been a trajectory, there's been something that has brought them to the situation or whether it's been An addiction to pornography, or maybe they're abused themselves, or maybe it's some biological makeup, or there there, there could be a myriad of issues. And our organization does not specifically reach out to these guys. There are other organizations that do. It's a it's a hard one. It's a hard one because, like, I'm, I'm with you, and like a lot of these times when I when I hear guys inside these places offering prices and like bargaining the the cost of like a fifteen year old girl when this guy's like sixty five irrelevant despite what his age but say he's sixty five years old. Like my first instinct is I'm gonna hit this guy in the teeth, you know? Um
2: break his jaw. Teeth are bad. They have bacteria. Sorry.
3: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to get some blood on me. <laughs> It's hard. Like We don't specifically address like, the guys. One thing with the organization that I've just started partnering with and working with young boys is because it's a culture of gender inequality, a lot of these guys grow up to think that they can do whatever they want to girls. If you can target these, these kids at a young age, these boys at a young age, and teach them that it's important to respect women and that you're not any better than women, and if a girl says no, she means no, and you can't just do whatever you want. So, I mean, we're addressing the kids, but as far as addressing, like, the actual men, the adults in the situation, our organizations do that, but other organizations do.
2: But you're right, though. I mean, they have a story, too, and even though the instinct is to be angry at a person, and and rightfully so, we should be very angry with any grown adult who makes a decision to do something like this. It is a choice that they make, despite their background. Um, they also, though, like you said, who knows how they were raised, what abuse they have endured. And so I'm glad that there's uh, organizations out there that are aimed, you know, to kind of try to help these men have that breakthrough that they need to, to go. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is really messed up. This is wrong. And, you know, have that reconciliation. So it, uh, but it, it, it takes, again, special people who are built to be able to go in and like like you're like a battle tank. You're like a spiritual battle tank in my mind, you know, where you're out there and there's just you have to have so much armor around you to be able to endure and sit there and watch these negotiations happen and not, you know, get up and break cover. And you know what I'm saying? Like I just can't imagine uh, being able to do that in some ways. And then in other ways, I'm built to do something similar In the way that I'm carved out, in the way that I'm supposed to be, you know, doing my big battleship, that's not everybody can go about what I've got to, you know, to present. But uh, for you, I think it's just it's so much more like immediate. Like I just, you know, you want it to be just an immediate thing. You want to go in and scoop up everybody and save them all. And that's got to be really difficult to endure. So. I'm glad that you, so what's your support group like, you know, there, like you have a families that you work with. Um, like what's your support group? Like, do you guys get together and like decompress and have good food and laughter too?
3: Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. We, we, I have, um, uh, quite a few Christian Cambodian friends that just link arms with and they really just pour into me and Mm -hmm. encourage me speak life into me. And I have, um, some, uh, a few Cambodian people over here that are so I don't know, spiritually mature. Or Harvey would say it like they're just, there are so much further along than I am that I can lean on and look to for guidance. And then they can just really help me along in my, my job over here.
2: Well, you got another one. I will be praying from a distance and like i said you're going to be part of my check-in um as i think think about you and what you're going through and i'll also be praying for not just your organization um but the people who are in your life who you know pour into you and um for like some cover and some protection like you know that you can go into these places like a ninja and Not be not be found out, you know that you can do your work undercover, kind of a thing. So, I'll be praying for you for real. Um, Nah,
3: thanks so much. That's that's great. And like to me, it's some people say like, how can we support you?" And like, what can we do to help you out? Um, I mean, the first thing I'd say is just prayer. Prayer for like like just emotional and like emotional strength, spiritual strength, and just endurance. Um, But I guess even more importantly, just don't even, don't even just go. I'm. Uh, don't even just say I'm gonna pray for just for just Brendan or just his organization, but just the Kamai people in general. Like pray firstly for them. Um, pray for the young boys and girls over here. Just keep them at the center of your focus. That they, you know, will come to know Christ and that they can find themselves in a situation that's non-exploitative.
2: I immediately want to know too, like how I can help you and what you're doing like Aaron and I we use something called patreon.com have you heard of that
3: no I haven't
2: so it's like a crowdfunding site like a kickstarter but it's a monthly uh, donation based so for example Aaron and I have a patreon and it's uh, the website's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com and then slash Aaron and Danae and so people can support us at like a dollar a month or three or ten dollars a month and then they get like perks, like extra audio or the podcast early, things like that. Yeah. So I don't know if that would work for your. What was it NGO?
1: Yeah. How do you raise support? What do you usually do?
3: Man, I am so grassroots, and I don't pretend to be an expert on fundraising because I'm not.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm only 25, but uh, <laughs> I just I send out direct emails to people and um, send out videos that I make directly to specific people. I've approached a couple different businesses. That's basically it at this point. And people donate online or they, have, they directly transfer money to um, our specific bank account um, for my local NGO.
1: Okay, let me ask you, let me ask you this specifically. If, let's say, uh, over the course of a month, one of these girls that is selling herself or somebody is selling her for financial gain, over the course of a month, what would somebody need to donate to make up that difference, let's say? And I know that's not exactly how it works, but just the idea being, you know, how can you... What is the amount that somebody could
2: give monthly pay, or pay a
1: girl to not have sex with you know uh, prostitution? Others, yeah Yeah,
3: yeah and it's crazy that you have to ask people like the question like how much does this girl need to not have sex with foreign men? <laughs> <every night? laughs> but it's true. like it's absolutely true. And I have, I have a few other people that are currently giving to just support individual girls. Um, it's, it comes it's usually a ballpark about uh, 300 dollars 350 a month. And what that does is, it supplements what she was previously earning for being uh, forced to process herself to older men, and also enables her to go to school um, or do like an internship where she's doing job training, like at a drop. Uh, excuse me, job training at like a like a hair salon or a bank. Um, so I mean, around three hundred fifty bucks a month would actually pull a girl directly out of. One of these terrible, terrible situations. So it's not, it's not, it's a lot of money, but it's not, it's not heaps compared to like what she has to deal with.
1: Well, and we know also that $300 a month can also come from 30 people, you know, supporting yeah. you with $10 every month or, or however exactly. that can work. Right. Um, so, I don't
2: know if Patreon would work for you.
1: No, I don't think it's set up for nonprofits, but there are, you know, there are certainly things, but I mean, but you may not need that too. Yeah. You know, you've, you may just be able to, to connect directly like with roots. people at the grassroots, yeah. and that works fine. So, if somebody wanted to do that, let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they want to help you with this mission that you've been given. Uh, yeah. What is their best route to uh, contact you and be able to give you a few bucks every month to, to help stop this thing?
3: Do you have show notes?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do. For each uh, podcast on our website, we'll put up some show notes.
3: What they could do is they could check out your show notes. And what I'll do um, is I'll send both of you guys um, my personal contact information, the contact information for our local NGO and a specific platform for which they could donate money. And they could just check out the show notes and then just connect with me directly. And whether it's, hey, they just want to donate to the organization in general or they want to Say, hey, I want to specifically fund an individual girl. Um, last year, we had a when I was working for Destiny Rescue, I did some side work, and we had a, a myriad of people that said, "Hey, I just want to help this girl." Say, uh, Sophia, for example, is her name. And able to connect with them and send them pictures and say, "This is exactly what she's been doing, and this is now what she's doing because of the, your donation money." So, I, I guess if they were to check out your show notes, would well, I'll send you some information, and they can connect to me through that.
0: Awesome.
2: We will do the show notes, and that will be up on Wednesday. So just email Aaron whatever links you want to include to organization information, um, okay. anything you want to do. It doesn't have to be in the next 30 minutes, just whenever you can, and sure. we will update everybody. But um, the show notes won't go up until Tuesday, or sorry, Wednesday afternoon, so you've still got time.
1: Hey, Brendan. Okay. Brendan? Yeah. Danae and I have, have chatted via paper here between us as well, and we would like to support what you're doing with a, a percentage of uh, anything that's donated to us through Patreon. So if anybody really? supports what we do, we're going to kick some of that back your way to help you do what you're doing.
3: Cannot thank you enough for that. Every, every dollar is massive over here. So just thank you guys so much, and I'm really happy that you guys were invited me on here to chat with you guys and it's it's no nah, it means it means the world to me it really does. No I, problem, man
2: Yeah, I think anybody who supports uh what we do would be more than happy to know that some of what they're giving to the studio is going um out to support to, to support you and what you're doing. So I'm very excited to be able to do that. So
3: Well I'm humbled. I'm really I really am. Considering I don't, I don't, I don't know you guys super well, so that's that means that means a lot to me. So thank you so very, very much. I can't say thanks enough.
2: So now you can go play Xbox some more because you got some more money coming your way.
3: <laughs> well, if you guys give me a lot of money, I'll go will buy some new video games. There you
1: <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate your time, Brendan. Um, yeah. I know it's uh it's what twelve hours different there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's about bedtime for you, I'm sure. <laughs> or maybe it's just time about- to get, get to work. I don't know how it works over there.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go to work in about a half an hour, and then I'll get some sleep.
2: Well, yeah. have a... Great work day. How does that work? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't, that have, sounds
1: awful. Have a fun day at work, Brendan. <laughs> Gosh, golly.
2: <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
3: This is fantastic. Yeah, this is awesome. I really, really appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Oh, no problem, man. And we look forward to, to sending some dollars your way, too. All right, man. Well, uh, go do some work tonight. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks yep. so much for having me on again. No
2: Blessings. problem.
1: Blessings. Bye. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> how great is that i love what brendan's doing and it is absolutely our honor brendan to be able to support that in some way or another yeah
2: and thanks for joining us on the live show and being in the chat answering questions and um you know as we said we'll get some show notes up here this has been really interesting
1: yeah if you're listening to the podcast you don't know this But a lightning struck and took out the whole thing during the live show.
2: Yep. We actually had to scramble. Um, I got my smartphone connected to 4G. Right. And we were able to still play it out. And we started off and we had um, almost 20 people at the very beginning of the podcast uh, already ready to go and listen to this incredible interview. And then the lightning struck. We came back. Over half still there. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, this being available on podcast to be able to be listened to any time. It's just I, I think it's interviews like this that really remind me that, you know, what you are helping us do is highlight some really important things that are happening in our world and ways that we can make a really direct impact,
1: and that's why I think you'll you'll see more and more um, when things like this happen. Uh, the money that you're giving to support this goes directly to those places now in two ways one because we get to you know be a voice for them and two directly we're going to start donating a percentage of what you give to us to things like this and specifically in this case to brendan and what he's doing in, in maybe, cambodia
2: maybe on our patreon page for those who support us we should add that we want to add a generator so oh. that we, if we get struck by lightning again <laughs> that
1: would be nice. the show
2: goes on <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs>
2: So I guess we should mention, too, here at the very end, um, Friday is going to be our next live show. You can join us right back here uh, for the podcast. If you're listening live, you can be at Mixler um, or our website, and we're going to be reviewing a movie. Fridays is our day for pop culture, so we usually review TVs and movies and just different things in pop culture, and you can always – Send us whatever you want us to review. Right now, we've got some people that want us to be watching particular TV shows and doing reviews on them.
1: And if you'd like to subscribe, it's very easy. Just search for Shoe the Doe, S H O E, the Doe, D O E, in iTunes or whatever podcast thing you use. You should be able to find us, and it'll just pop up in your feed then when new ones are available.
2: So I think that's it, right? We did it. That's it. The lightning show (laughs) has come to an end. Brendan, if you're still there, blessings to you. Let's just uh, say a quick prayer together. I think that'd be kind of a cool way to end the live show since we're all actually right here in this moment. God, right now, uh, there is a man 25 years old, in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. Um, it's early, early in the morning. It's 1.21 in the morning, and he has come off of a long work day of loving people who don't really know what it means to have your love be something that they experience regularly. God, we just pray for the people that are in Cambodia for um, what needs to happen in that culture to begin to break away the darkness so that they can live a life in freedom that they've never known, whether it's the children or the adults. We know that your love is for every single person there. And for those who are there who are specifically shining the light, like Brendan and his team and his support, God, we just ask that you would increase them, give them the ability to endure, give them wisdom um, and link them together with this incredible community of faith believers who are from all over the world um, who can support him, in prayer, which is the most valuable thing that maybe we can give for free to give our time and our thoughts and our energy to those people. But also if there are those who can financially assist them to continue to do your great work, we just ask that you would uh, increase the ability for people to open up and, um, and send financial aid their way. So we pray this all in Jesus, your
0: mighty name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you on Friday.